I always feel like God got you here. If this is your first Sunday, your first Sunday tuning in, it, it's a God thing. Um, because in our new member class, I often go around the room and I say, share with us how you heard about SEC or what, what got you to SEC. And people will raise their hands and say, our first Sunday was, Stones of, was a Stones of Remembrance weekend. And we just knew this was our church from then on. And that's really what happens if this is your first week. You're going to hear so many stories. It's kind of like the, in, the, in, the insider stories. You're going to fast forward your relationship with our church family and feel like, hey, I'm one of the in crowd now. I know all of these stories. So I'm glad that God has you here. And the third group of people are our young people. Our middle schoolers that are tuning in, our high schoolers that are out in, the, out in the pavilion, the reason why I want you to hear these stories every single year, year after year, six, seven, eight years in a row, if you start from fifth grade all the way through 12th grade, it's like eight years that you're going to hear these stories. It's important to me because when you go off to college and you have some professor, some philosophy professor, biology professor, literature professor, tell you that the Bible's not true, it's just a bunch of fake news, I know you're going to remember these stories. And you're going to have to decide at that point. You're going to have to decide, is this faith mine or is it just my parents and my pastors and my grandparents? And you're going to have to decide, do I believe Pastor Jerry? Do I believe all these eyewitnesses? And honestly, when you hear stories about Luke Brashears being baptized, he was there. He saw It's some of your own peers that have experienced this. I think that that's going to give you the faith to know that your professors are crazy. They just don't get it. And honestly, I understand because when I hear these stories, every, every Stones of Remembrance weekend, I listen back to five or six messages. So yesterday I, I listened through five services of Stones of Remembrance, and I get it. If I was an outsider, if I'd never met any of these people, and I heard these stories, I would be thinking to myself, there's no way there's no way it happened like that he's exaggerating there's no no possibility you know that was just a coincidence you'll have to make that decision but there are enough eyewitnesses on this campus right here now today and over these weeks that can nod their head and say i was there that night i was there when god did that god did that so <clears throat> i want to start today by telling you just a real recent story a couple couple years ago um Two years ago, in 2020, I was helping Kristen do re remodel her kitchen over in DeBerry. And um, I didn't do any of the work. I just did the coordination. I was a project manager. And we had an electrician there, uh, electrician Mike from, like, Wire Wizard, I think is where he's from. And um, he asked me, what do I do? And I said, I've been a pastor for 28 years. And I said, in fact, right now we're telling all the stories from the whole 28 years, all the miracles. Because this was two years ago. I guess it was 27 years at that point. And um, I said, we started in a funeral home with 11 people. He said, whoa, started in a funeral home with 11 people. He said, well, how many of you go to your church now? I said, well, it's really hard to tell in 2020. Who knows, right? Um, because 2020 is so weird. Um, I said, but prior to the, to the pandemic, we had in a given month 1,000 people coming to church here. Now, a lot of them come once a month. A lot of them come, you know, three times a month, two times a month, once a month. Everybody comes at least once a month, right? Mm. And... Um, <laughs> and, he, and he said this, and, <clears throat> and what he said kind of set me back on my heels a little bit. And um, nobody's ever said this to me in 20, now 29 years. I, I said, yep, we've, we've grown, you know, overnight success in 28 years, right? Uh, we've gone from 11 to there was at that time about 1,000 people, different people coming over the different weeks in a month. And he said, you must be really proud of yourself. And 
I was like, whoa, what? He's like, yeah, you know, you've gone from 11 to uh, 1,000. You must be, you should be really proud of yourself. And this is what I told him. And I, and I understand. He, he's not a Christian. He just, we're just having a quick conversation. But I want to make sure that we all understand it, that we all get it. Because this is what I said to him. I said, look, I said, it's not about me. I said, this is a God thing. God did this. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know he didn't get, but I want to make sure that what we get is that all of the stories I'm going to tell you that I tell you every single year, it's not that God did this because of us. In fact, a lot of times he did it in spite of us, right? It's not that God, he, he did it through us. We've been allowed to be a part of what he's done here at SEC. But I want you to make sure you understand, these are all God did that stories. And there's been times when we've looked at each other across the room and you kind of get that look and you're like, oh my goodness, did you just, what did God just do? And I think if you're around here long enough, you'll start to realize as we tell these stories, and all we're doing is doing what families and tribes have done for thousands of years on this planet. Human beings have told the stories of their heritage. This is what we did. This is how we got here kind of stories. This is what we do every year here at SCC. We gather on the Sundays in November, and we just brag on God and talk about everything that he's done. And what this does for us is it gives us it gives us it gives us the faith to face whatever's coming our way this next year. <clears throat> if you take experience in God, Dr. Henry Blackaby uh, talks about having spiritual markers in our life. That if you can look back on your life and go, you know, God got me out of this, or God spoke to me here, or God did this miracle. When you have those spiritual markers in your life, which is why I always tell you, you should not only just read your Bible, but you should also write down in a journal. When you can look back and say, you know, God saved our marriage. God healed my, my kid. God provided a way when there was no way. What that does, we, because sometimes we face things in life, a storm, physical or metaphorical storm. Um, uh, we, we face an illness. We face an, a, rel, a relational crisis. And sometimes you've got to dig deep down to those faithful times that when, God, when God did that. And that gives you the... The confidence and the courage that no matter what you face, look, I don't know what you're facing right now. Maybe you need a miracle. But I know you will need one in the future, even if you don't need one now. That There are going to be storms of life coming. And when you can grab onto these spiritual markers or when you can borrow the faith of everybody else who's experienced this and know that God is going to get me through this, that can give you so much assurance as you move forward. There are so many times where we saw God do things here that can only be explained by God did that. Now, the, the scriptural reference for our study over these, this three-week series is Joshua chapters 3, 4, and 5. I asked you to read Joshua chapter 3 last week. <clears throat> That's the story of God damming up the, the Jordan River and all of the Israelites coming through on dry ground. And then God said in chapter 4, hope you'll read that this week, I want you to... Joshua, I want you to get 12 stones, bring them up, and put them and make a memorial. I'm going to read you these verses. This is Joshua chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, 6, 7, and 24. It says, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them at the place where you will camp tonight. We will use these stones to build a memorial 
And in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. And he did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. These were the stones of remembrance that God was teaching his people thousands of years ago the importance of remembering his blessings so that that would build their faith as they walk through life together. This is what, why we do this every single year. As I said, I don't know what kind of miracle you might need in your life, but I can assure you this. God knows, and God is still in the miracle business. For our church, God has always provided a place, he's always provided people, and he's always provided a purpose. Our church has a lot to be thankful for. We have so many stones of remembrance. As we just sang a million little miracles, there's probably a million of them that I won't even be able to get to. Um, I said last week, and by the way, if you didn't get a chance to, to watch uh, online or you weren't here last week, it's, it's worth your time to go back and catch up. I was finishing college in 1992, and I was praying about where to, where to pastor. Uh, Nancy and I were building a church over here in Ohio. I told you about listening to a cassette tape uh, from Dr. Adrian Rogers and how God really spoke to me through this. When not Dr. Rogers said, look, if, you've got, if God's called you to do this, you have more than a millionaire on your side. I also told you about my law studies uh, teacher from high school, Mr. Eckstein, who, when, we were, when I told him we were starting a church, he, he looked at me and said, Walsh, who do you think is going to come to this church? Um, valid question. Of course, what I said, my, my spiritual answer was, well, whoever God sends. And, and if you look around the room, this is who God has sent. God has sent literally thousands of people through our doors over the last almost 30 years. We're going to celebrate our 30-year anniversary um, this Easter. And one of the things that we've always done is we've always prayed for God to send people. So if you've ever met somebody at our church and you're going like, man, what is that guy doing here? Why does he go here? Well, we prayed, we prayed him in, that's why. Now, if you've never had that experience where you go, why does that guy go here? Why does he go? Maybe you're the one that we're all praying about. <laughs> Maybe people ask that about you, what are you doing here? I don't and if you've ever felt like that, what am I doing here, Lord? God's the one who brought you. It's because we prayed. Now, I told you that we started Palm Sunday 1993 in the funeral home. I told you the funeral home stories last week. I told you uh, that we then moved to Gold's Gym. We were there for um, 16 weeks. I shared with you the story of that 4x4, four four, that very 4x4 four four went through the plate glass door, and they came in and they stole out all of our equipment except for the one key piece. I told you those stories. Um, God did that. And then we were kicked out. We were only in the... Uh, the aerobic studio for 16 weeks because literally the guy the guy who owned the plaza the reflections plaza he's driving through on a saturday night we used to set up the night before and uh he he rolls in to that parking lot in a rolls royce i mean what is a rolls royce even doing in sanford lake mary area right and uh he pulls up and he says what are y'all doing i said we're setting up for church tomorrow he says you can't have church here i said yeah we can we're, we we uh, sublease from Gold's Gym. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I own this complex. They don't have, they're not allowed to sublease to a church. You guys can't meet here. We got kicked out of Gold's Gym. And I was, again, when I tell you there were so many times that our church was beep, flatlined and God, God, God resurrected us, 
It's, it's completely true. We didn't know where we were going to go. I start calling up all my pastor friends. We've been kicked out of a funeral home. Now we've been kicked out of an aerobic studio. Um, I call up several friends. Where, where can we meet? And um, Kevin Chubb, who was uh, the pastor of Celebration Church at the time, um, he's in heaven now. So many of the people I'm going to tell you about t- today are already in heaven. They're waiting on me. And um, <clears throat> uh, Kevin said, hey, if you will uh, call up General Cinema, ask for Angie Smith, and uh, see if she can help you. They were a lot of help to us, so I did. I called her, and we moved into the movie theater. In fact, uh, for three years, we became, it's still on the T-shirt that I saved, we became the church in the movie theater. And it was the movie theater that's over behind Chili's, if Chili's is still there, in Lake Mary. I think it's L.A. Fitness now. It's not even a movie theater. And this lady went to bat for us. She called her big boss up in Charlotte and said, hey, I've got a church. And he said, well, what's the cheapest rent in Florida? So she found this little tiny church in this rundown area of South Miami that was only paying $75 a week, and they matched that. She got us that for our rent. And it was a nice place. I mean, it was like a 10-plex, 10 different theaters. Our little kids, the, we had the nursery out in the lobby. It was awesome for them. So we traded, we traded the smell of a formaldehyde from the funeral home and sweat and B.O. from the aerobic studio, and we walked into popcorn and milk duds. I mean, it was, it was like nirvana. It was heaven. And we put all of our little kids out, out in, the, in the lobby, and they, they were all wired all the time just from the contact high, from smelling all the good and plenty in the peanut butter cups. Um, and we met, in the, we met in the movie theater for several years. They gave us storage there. We used to go and build a stage, and it was great, other than that your feet stuck to the ground, you know, and the lights were kind of low because you didn't want to see all the popcorn and all the, all the juice on the ground. But... Um, the difficult, the only, oh, and it had a lot of bathrooms. Like 14 men's bathroom stalls or urinals and 12 women's stalls. And you want to know, well, what's that got to do with it? I mean, it was, it was swank. It was mirrors everywhere. I'll tell you that for a reason in a second, why the bathrooms were so important. The downside, the major downside in the, in the movie theater was I, as a young pastor, just kind of starting out, I don't know, at this point I'm probably, we started when I was 25, 26, so I'm 27 years old, and I'm greeting people and saying, hey, welcome to, welcome to our church. We're in sinful obsession today. The names of the movies were horrible. Join us. Come on in. We're going to be in Dumb and Dumber. It's like, I don't know if I want to go to Dumb and Dumber Church. And it got worse. The day I had to welcome people and say, I'm so sorry. We're going to be in striptease. Demi Moore, striptease, yes. We had to meet in, de- in the devil's advocate. That's just wrong, isn't it? I mean, how a church in the devil. We had to meet in true lies. My all-time favorite is, hey, join us in Woody Harrelson for Natural Born Killers. I mean, why would you even come to a church like that? We were in the movie theater for over three years. It's the only place we never got kicked out of, although God did speak to me. Um, one day I'm, having a, I'm in the shower, and God ever spoken to you in the shower? It's a little bit like you have this idea. It's like, that idea is not from me. That's got to be you talking, God, and you feel a little, you feel a little, sub, you know, a little self-conscious when you're, like, in the shower. It's like, you know, hey, you know, I'm trying to shower here, and God's like, yeah, well, 
I need you to slow down a little bit and let me tell you what to do. He says, he says I want you to call the church, the pastor of the church that's meeting in Wilson Elementary School, the gathering place, pastor named Sam Hen, and I want you to offer to swap facilities with him. And I'm like, God, I don't want to do that. I mean, that sounds crazy. I'm like, what am I going to call this guy? I don't know you. never heard of you. never heard of me. And I uh, tell you that God wants me to swap facilities with you. And he's like, yep, that's exactly. And I'm like, oh. So I call, and he wasn't in, thank goodness. And then I call, but God wouldn't let me alone. I call back, and he's on a mission trip out of the country. Oh, good. He'll be back in two weeks. So I call back again. Um, so it's like January now, um, and I'm... 1998, I finally get a hold of Sam Hen, and um, I said, this is going to sound so weird, and I don't want you to think I'm weird, but this is weird. God spoke to me. I didn't tell him I was in the shower. That's even weirder. And, um, and he told me I need to call and ask if you will swap facilities with our church. We meet in the movie theater in Lake Mary. And then he says something that blows my mind. His response, his response is, how many bathrooms do you have? And I'm like, what? He's like, how many bathrooms do you have? And I'm like, there's like 14 men and 12 women's bathrooms. He says, yes, we'll swap. Do you want to swap this Sunday? And I'm like, don't you like need to vote on this? Don't you have a board of directors? Isn't there somebody you can, you know? Nope, we, we have, this is what he said. We have been praying for bathrooms. We want, we want your facilities. So unbeknownst to us, they had been, there's only two toilets in the cafetorium at Wilson. They had been praying because they had 300 people in there and two toilets, and they're like, yeah, our people are like in line in the bathroom singing, oh, praise him, you know, those oldies that we sang this morning, you know, a million little miracles, and they're like in line and going over to, to, to use the restroom because they only had two. So we're like, well, we, we can't swap in four days. We took six weeks. We told our, uh, we told our congregation. We, you know, ran it by everybody. And that Easter of... 98, we moved into Wilson Elementary School. And then when we were there about six months, we found out from the, from the school board, their school board attorney had talked them into churches shouldn't be in a school permanently, so churches can only stay for one year, so they let us know you're going to be kicked out. And they said, well, we've only been here six months. They said, well, we'll give you one year from now. So we were only in there eight, 18 months. <clears throat> and we decided we were going to try to buy some land. I'll tell you the land story in a minute. Um, so we did a time to build campaign, and we had our whole congregation. This is the story how our, our church grew, grew negatively from 125 down to 50 when we were at Wilson Elementary School. And the reason why we did that is because when you're when you, anytime you're in a church, you go into a building campaign, you try to raise money, people bolt. A lot of people just split. They're like, that church is only after your money. They're always talking about money. So we, we shrunk. And by the time we got to our first chest of Joash, which I'll tell you about in a second, um, we had dwindled down to literally the January of 99, we had 42 people. 42 and it's not looking so good, you know, because we had had 125 in the movie theater, and now we're at 42 people. We had started these table times and had, had a discussions afterwards. And um, I get this phone call that week. So January of 99, we started experiencing God for the first time in our church. And we started praying for four families. Specifically, we wrote it down. We're praying for four families by Easter. 
four families by Easter. And the week before the last Sunday of January, I get a phone call. This guy says, hey, you don't know me. My name's Bill. You went to school with my with to high school with my wife. Um, our church is going out of business. Uh, we're folding. Remember I told you last week, one out of 100 churches make it to the 10-year mark. Only, only one out of five make it a year. Only one out of 25 make it five years. Only one out of 100 make it 10 years. Because our church is folded. The pastor's going into counseling, and we, we, we would like to come visit me and our church. We would like to come visit your church on Sunday. So I said to him, he never heard, he never saw this coming. Just like the guy who said, how many, how many bathrooms do you have? I said, how many families do you have? He's like, uh, uh, uh. I said, do you have four families? And he said, uh, uh, we've been praying for four families. You got four families or not? And uh, he says, yeah, actually we have four families, and we probably have another four fringe families. But four just in my family, my wife, her sister, her sister, and her parents, that's four families, yes. I said, okay, come on. So, um, so that Sunday, last Sunday in January in 1999, we're setting up. We set up all the chairs, and um, Don Williams was one of our uh, trustees at the time. Uh, he, uh, Don was one of those men that God used in my life to teach me so much. Um, in fact, uh, just yesterday was the first anniversary of Don's passing. Um, I saw his family over at the Canaveral um, Cemetery, and Don says to me, well, Pastor, how many chairs do you want me to set up? And I know he was thinking I was going to say 50 or 60 or 66, but 66 sounds like 666, so I would have said 65. Um, And I said to Don, I said, Don set up 100 chairs, and his eyes were like, like, are you crazy? Did you, like, I have three heads. He's like, 100? And I said, yeah, Don. I didn't tell him about my conversation on the phone because I didn't know if those people would really show I said, I think God's going to have some of his friends here on friend day. He's like, all right. And he set up 100 chairs. Um, (laughs) And our church, we had been praying for four families. Our church went from 42 the week before to 96 on the last Sunday. And this whole group of people, many of them are still here. Gene Brown's still here. The Bearings are still here. Glenn Fleming, uh, he's in heaven as well. He came with that group. They came and it was like God put two halves together. And they were praying just for a, 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 a pastor who wouldn't quit on them. And I'm like, look, I, I won't quit, you know. And we had been praying for them to come and, and help us carry the load, and they did. And, and they were so excited that we had building plans, and we had, we had bought land at that point. And, um, in fact, one of them was so excited, uh, the, the saxophone player from their, uh, from their church, and uh, you gotta, you gotta, gotta watch out for the sax guys, okay? Because uh, he, he looks at me and he says, are we going to have an orchestra pit? And I'm like, what's an orchestra pit? He's like, you know, the, there's a big hole in the floor and you got all your, you got your whole orchestra down there. And I'm like, <laughs> you, got the, you got the idea all around. No, I said, no. I said, it's not an orchestra. I said, we're really, you need to be thinking warehouse with carpet, okay? I even said, you'd be lucky if we have air conditioning. And I told you. Churches will pray for air conditioning. Floridians will pray for air conditioning, okay? And we've always had air here, although it's been dicey. I'll tell you that story next week. So they joined us, and we we had already found this piece of property. Let me tell you about how we acquired the property, the the four and a half acres here. 
So back in the movie theater days, as Kristen called it way back in the 90s, back in the movie theater days, um, we had somebody give, a lady named Laura gave $40, and she wrote land fund on it. And I thought, oh, no. Now, we didn't have a land account, a land fund account. Um, so now I had to open up a separate account at First Union Barnett Bank back then, and we had $40. And there was $40 in that account for about four or five years. And I know those tellers at the at the bank, they had to be like, the, half the tellers were probably praying for us, and the half were probably laughing at us, like, you can't buy a lot of land for $40. $40, right? So we started looking for property. The first piece of property we found was where uh, um, the community church is, uh, Crossings Community Church, right across from Wilson Elementary School. It was five acres. It was $135,000. It was a great deal. But the, the, the attorney from Canada wanted a $10,000 non-refundable deposit. That's hard. You know, so our churches, we're squeamish about that. We don't have enough, you know, I mean, that's, that's not enough money. Um, and we only have $40 in the land fund. How are we going to come up with $10,000 non-refundable deposit kind of a thing? So that, that was a deal breaker for us. Um, and then somebody came in and, and, and grabbed it out from under us and flipped it to uh, St. Andrew's Chap- Chapel, R.C. Sproul, sold it to them for like two fifty. Um, and then we found another piece of property out on 46. It was out on Ross Lake. It was originally 25 acres. They had broken off 10 and a 10 and a 5, and they had 10 acres for sale. That was just perfect. And um, so we tried to get that under contract. We went to the county, and the people at the county um, were like, nope, you can't build anything on that. It was an illegal land split. And I w- you look, we didn't just take the first no for an answer. You know, I was, I'm the original Karen. So I'm like, let me talk to your supervisor. Let me tell you your supervisor. So where's the mayor? Who's the county commissioner? You know, is there a senator I can call? You know, well, Mr. President, I'm talking to your big boss. I'll go right up to God. You know, he's on our side. You know, I have no problem being pushy, <clears throat> in case you were wondering. I'm a little bit redneck and a lot pushy. Um, no dice. No, in fact, they looked at me finally and said, they said, Reverend Walsh, which anytime they do that, you know, you're getting shut down. Reverend Walsh. You cannot build a chicken coop on that piece of property the way it lies right now. I'm like, okay, I got it. So I was so discouraged because we lost the perfect piece of property, and the next perfect piece of property you can't build a chicken coop on. And the next thing you know, Nancy's driving down Orange Boulevard. She sees a sign go on this property, for sale sign. She says, you need to call the realtor. And I'm discouraged. I'm like, somebody's going to steal that from us, or it's, it, we, we can't get it. And I call the realtor anyway because I always do what my wife says. It's a good rule of thumb. God often speaks through our wives. And I call him and say, how much for the land? The realtor says it's going to be $80,000. I scoff. I'm like, that's crazy. $80,000 an acre. Nobody would ever pay that. That's double the price. The going rate for land out here was thirty-five to 40000 an acre. This is 20-something years ago. Um, he says, no, it's, it's 80000 for the whole four and a half acres. And I'm like, how much is that an acre? And he runs it in his calculator. Listen to this. That's 17, listen to all the sevens, $17,777.77. That's not like a perfect number. An acre. And now I'm discouraged because that's half price. And like somebody's going to steal that from us. There's no way that our church can move that fast to vote to buy this land. So um, Nancy calls her dad, um, my father-in-law, Bill McQuarters, who died about a year and a month ago. Uh, he's in heaven too. And my mother-in-law, who's usually right here on the second row in the first service, but she's got out-of-town guests today. And, and my father-in-law, Bill, says, make sure we're the first ones to see the property. Call the realtor, tell him to meet us there right now. took two hours to get the realtor there. And um, the property was for sale 
for six hours only. And my father-in-law and mother-in-law looked at me and Nancy and said, we'll buy the property for the church. We'll put it on an assignable contract. If the church votes to, to buy the property, the church can have the contract. We're going to sign it right now. And uh, if the church doesn't vote to, to do it, they want a different piece, we'll take the property, we'll sell it later, and we'll give all the proceeds to the $40 land fund. And we signed a contract for $80,000 on these four and a half acres, and then we went through our first chest of Joe Ash and our time to build program and listen to what God did. This is the very this is the 25th year we've put this we've put this chest on the stage. And several people who are still here when we did this, we prayed for 6 weeks and we asked people to make a pledge and bring a cash offering. And when they came up to make the cash offering, it didn't take that long. There was only 50 or 60 people. They put in cash and jewelry and piggy banks and let me just tell you what happened we gave listen there were no fat cats here okay there was no zillionaires in our church there was teachers and lawn cutters and letter carriers and babysitters and just regular clerks and entrepreneurs people with a little tiny small business trying to trying to get things going those were the people who paved the way so that there would be a church here when you turned off of Orange Boulevard years and years later. And when we looked in that, when I looked in this, this chest, when I looked in this chest, there was a whole lot of cash, there was a whole lot of checks, there was a whole lot of gold chains. I called it my Mr. T starter set. I mean, it was like, it was like people just cleared out their jewelry box. I guess it was real. And, uh, and, and there was a gold cougar ant in there. My favorite gift of all was my five-year-old son, Josh, who you saw on video. Josh walked in and brought his very heavy <laughs> piggy bank. And when we opened up, Josh has always been a big saver. When we opened up the piggy bank, there were one, over 100 Chuck E. Cheese tokens. <laughs> in this church... Not only that, one of our rednecks put the title to his bass boat in this box. Now, you know God's moving when a redneck gives up his bass boat. Now, he got another boat, so don't feel too sorry for him. And when we totaled it all up and we cashed out the bass boat and we cashed in all the gold chains and the Mr. T starter set, it was $30,000 in cash and 130000 in pledges. We took the 30000 in cash, and then we had people help us from outside of our church. I grew up Baptist, so all my, all my friends in, in ministry were all Baptists. And I know that only, less than 10%, probably only 5% of our church comes from a Baptist background, but November is always hug a Baptist month around here, okay? You've got to find a Baptist and hug them. Just, hey, you go to Baptist church, let me just give you a hug. Thank you so much. You guys helped our church. The Florida Baptist gave us $35,000. The Seminole Baptist gave us $15,000. And then Westview Baptist Church, a, a local church, gave us $10,000. That's $35,000, dollars $10,000 to $60,000 in cash given no strings attached by, by our Baptist brothers and sisters. That's why I call this Hug a Baptist Week. And we took their $60,000 plus our $30,000. And in December of 1998, we closed on four and a half acres, free and clear. God gave us this land. God did that. That wasn't from me. That wasn't because of me. That God did that. And you know, 
the next thing we did was we started moving into a building program. In fact, we had $100,000, $130,000 in pledges, which obviously wasn't enough. We got qualified for $250,000 for a loan. And, um, and, and I was a little down that God didn't provide the whole thing for me, for us, you know, because that's just a much better story when God just does it all. And, and, and this, I was, I was upset. I was parked right out here where these handicap signs are. The building wasn't here yet. And I was like, God, why, why did you not provide us all the cash for the building? Because it's better to be out of debt. And, um, and I felt like God was saying to me, um, in fact, Scott, I was with your dad sitting right out there. I'm going to get emotional because Don Williams' son's here today. Um, I, I got through this first service, no problem. Thanks. And, um, and Don used to always tell me, he's one of the guys that got, Pastor, Pastor, your job is to love the people. Your job is not to get them here. Your job is not to fix them. Thank God. Um, <laughs> your job is to love them. And look, that's a hard enough job to love some of them. Not y'all, of course. Don't point at anybody. <laughs> I'm sitting out there with Don, and I'm kind of I'm kind of whining that God didn't provide cash for everything. And um, God, through Don, says to me, I'm providing every week. That's what Don said. God's providing every week through the people who are coming here. And I said, you're right. If God wants to give it to us free and clear, he can. And he does later, as we're going to see. So we start this building plan. And God, I told you God provided people. One of the people God provided was this construction missionary named Jim Skinner. And you're like, what in those? Is a construction missionary? That's what I said. There's this organization called Missionaries on Wheels. And uh, they, they roll up in their motorhome. And they stay at a campground, and they build churches. And Jim had been a retired Navy chief. He had built big piggly wigglies, and he shows up to build. I, somebody matched us together. I'd never met him before. And he's here to build us a church. He's going to do it for free. And he takes his calculator out, takes all our plans, he adds it all up. He says, Preacher, in five minutes, I didn't like this guy. In five minutes, he says, Preacher, you don't have enough money. You're going to need at least another $150,000. I'm like, well, we don't have another $150,000, Mr. Know-it-all. And don't you, don't, aren't know-it-alls annoying, by the way? I mean, some people, they think they're a know-it-all, but they don't know it all. They're not nearly as annoying as the people who don't really know they're a know-it-all, but they are a know-it-all, and they're always right. Jim was that guy. He was always right. And um, I told him, we don't have any more money. He says, then we'll do this with volunteers. And I'm like, how are you going to do that? He says, I'll call, I'll put out a, an APB. And we'll, we'll alert all of the missions organizations, and we'll get volunteers. And we did. We had electricians from Georgia. We had a, a youth group from Goshen, Alabama, lay all the sod around the, the pond. We had um, all kinds of volunteers that came. Um, we built this whole building primarily with volunteer labor, tradesmen who are retired who would come in and, and build it. And a lot of it was donated stuff. Um, we had a guy that worked for... Um, um, Tri-City Electric, when they built the big Sawtech plant down on 441, he talked to his boss. He said, hey, can we donate the leftovers to my church? We're building a church. And it's like they got 12 of this, and they got a 12-pack. They open up a 12-pack, and they only have two leftovers. So they either got to restock it, or they got to sell it on, you know, I, I don't know. There wasn't eBay back then. So um, they said, yeah, just, so they said a semi-truck, a whole semi-truck full of electrical stuff. Everything in this whole building electrically was, was all donated. In fact, that's why sometimes you, even in our, our children's area, preschool area, you'll see like 
what is that battleship gray plug doing on the wall? That doesn't go with anything. What's that orange plug? I always say this in our church. If it's really ugly, it was free. Okay? So it makes you go, that just doesn't go here. Be careful being critical because God did that. Okay? That's God's plug. In fact, one of my favorite stories is my plumber, Earl Elder, my plumber friend who wasn't a Christian at the time, Earl did our plumbing. Remember I told you we built that house from scratch? He did the plumbing for us. And um, Earl was, first of all, to tell you how much I love Earl, he's my only Jet friend back then. I didn't have any. New York Jets. He was a New York Jets fan. And I'm like, that's a lot for me to overcome. And, uh, and Earl comes and gives us his bid. In fact, when, when we were all done with the building, he did such an incredible job. I spent money out of my own pocket. It's the only piece of jet paraphernalia I've ever bought. And I bought him a Curtis Martin jersey, number 26, and presented it to him when we dedicated the building uh, that weekend. Earl comes, and he, de- he gives us his bid. Jim Skinner, me, and Earl. Jim Skinner's this old crusty, this old crusty um, contractor, Navy guy. And he wears this big hard, this big Stetson hard hat. And Earl shows up, and he gives us his bid to do all the plumbing labor and he says he opens up a little notebook and he says this he looks down and he says i'll do it for free and we were like yeah praise jesus holy holy you know we were we were like high-fiving and going crazy and god provided through a guy who wasn't even crazy did all of our plumbing free now i told that story just like that for 15 years about five years ago i was telling this story in front of earl to another plumber friend of his, George, and who's a Dolphin fan, by the way. And I'm telling George this story that I tell every year for 15 years about Earl. And Earl says, whoa, 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 that's not the miracle. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, I never told you this. It was, that's Earl. I never told you this part. I'm like, what part? That is the story. I've been telling her for 15 years. No, no, no. He says, you, what, you don't know, what you don't know, when, when I was there with you and Skinner, he says, I had a number written down for what it cost to do the labor. And when I opened my notebook and I read the number, what came out of my mouth wasn't the number. What came out of my mouth was, I'll do it for free. And then you guys were all, praise Jesus, glory, hallelujah, amen, and amen. And, and I'm like, I'm, did I say that out loud? And he's like, I'm stuck. And Earl... You, I'm going to get Earl to sit in front of a camera someday and tell that story on video. Earl swears he never intended to do it for free. Those words just came out of his mouth, and he says, well, I feel like I'm stuck. Earl since has become a believer. And Jim Skinner was right, though. We needed another $150,000, and that's a real problem when you're in the middle of a project and you realize you don't have enough to finish. We go back to our banker. It's a foundation in Jacksonville, Baptist Foundation, and they had loaned us the 250000 but they had, like, bent all the rules and, like, called in all the favors and gone to the board and pled our big story. And, um, and so when I go to this guy named Joe, he's the head of the, the foundation up there, and I said, look, we're going to need 150000 He's like, He's like, what? He's like, yeah, we don't have enough money to finish. He's like, oh, why didn't you ask for more money? You know, when we started, you should have asked for the 400000 to, to, to begin with. He said, I, I didn't ask for any. You qualified. You bent all the rules and got us the two fifty. remember? He's like, yeah, 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 but you don't understand. And then he was like, he was, he was really nervous. He's like, you don't understand. You don't understand. This, if I got to go to my board and ask for more money, he says, you don't understand. This makes it look like you guys don't know what you're doing. So he said, oh, well, that's an easy explanation for that. He said, what is it? He said, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you knew we didn't know what we were doing. 
I said, if I had asked you for 400,000, could we? No, there's no way they would have done that. I said, exactly. So and this is what was crazy. He goes and he, he meets with the board, his board, and um, he, comes, he calls me back. He says, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? They didn't approve us, did they? He says, not only did they approve you, we didn't have to bend any rules. And we didn't have to call in any favors. In fact, you are a bona fide, qualified. All the new people that had started coming, when God merged us with the people that started attending, the finances had gone up enough to cover everything. So we're trying to finish by the end of Y2K. Do you all remember Y2K when the computers were going to take over the world and everything was going to stop? And um, we were getting kicked out of the school on December the 12th. And we had no plan B. We had to be in here December the 19th. That happened to be Nancy and I's 12th anniversary, uh, wedding anniversary. And as we're, as we're moving towards that, the 1st of October, about the 10th of October, we get this letter from the Sierra Club. And the Sierra Club says, it's a nasty letter, it's like cease and desist, you're building in a primary, primary building zone of a, an American bald eagle, section such and such, law such and such, statute such and such. And I was, I was like shaken by the time I finished the letter. I ran down to our attorney, Mr. McIntosh, he read it, and uh, he's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. All the noises you don't want your attorney to be making when they're reading the letter. And he says, well, i got bad, good news and bad news. I said, give me, the, give me the bad news first. He said, yep, you are in the primary building zone, um, primary buffer zone of an American. Look, where I stand every week, right here, this line right here, this is the front of the first, uh, the first stage, is exactly 750 feet from an active bald eagle nest until about a year ago. I'll tell you about that. You can't ever build there. And you can't build for another 750 feet all the way over in Lake Forest from October the 1st through May the 15th. So you only have a five-and-a-half-month building um, season. For these 750 feet, you can never build here. Now, there was no Internet back then, so you, the, the way they found bald eagle nests back then was they'd fly around an airplane with binoculars, and they look, and they see a nest, and go, oh, no, that's ospreys. Oh, there's an American bald eagle. They do longitude and latitude. But you couldn't look any of this up. You know, so eventually, we didn't know we were building in, uh, in a violation. So Mr. McIntosh says to me, look, here's what I advise. When the people with the guns and the badges show up, you need to, you need to stop. I'm like, yeah, I get that. He says, I, I, I recommend that you work outside as fast as you can and get the parking lot done, which is what we did. For five more weeks, we were able to work outside before the real officials, he says, I said, well, what's the good news? He says, the good news is Sierra Club has no authority. They can write you nasty letters. They can complain they're a congressman, but they can't make you stop. So get done outside. So that's what we did. For five more weeks, we worked outside. We got the whole parking lot done because once you're done outside, you can still work inside, no problem, all year round. Do you know why it took five more weeks for the, I guess it was the fish, wildlife and fish, Commission and the DEP, Department of Environmental Protection, all those three-letter three letter, um, services. You don't ever want to hear the FBI, the IRS, the CIA. None of them are. You, know, you don't want any of those people showing up. Um, for five weeks, you know where they all are in, the first, in, in October, the first two weeks of, Jan of January? I mean, first two weeks of November? They're all over at the beach. They're all over the beach in Flagler Beach and Ormond Beach and Daytona Beach and Daytona Beach Shores and Ponce Inlet and New Smyrna Beach and, and Turtle Mound and all the way down to Cocoa Beach. 
And what are they doing? They're guarding the turtle nests. The loggerhead turtles in Florida, they hatch November, uh, October, November, and it's a, it's a big deal around here. If you've ever been to the beach during turtle season, you know. Stay away from the turtle nest, and don't you dare light up a flashlight or a Bic light or any other kind of light. You know, because they will, they will accost you like, turn off the light, turn off the light. You know, because when the, when the turtle hatches, they need to see them reflection of the moon and head to the ocean, even though they've been doing this 2,000 years ago with no help from us, right? Thousands of years they've been uh, accomplishing this, but it's a big deal. The turtles saved us from the eagle and let our, our building get built. As God is my witness. Who did that? God did that. So we moved into the building here. And in the first two to three weeks, it was like everybody and their brother with a minivan started turning into our parking lot. They're like, oh, you guys have a church. Well, we've had a church for seven years, but, you know, we're not coming to the funeral home. And, you know, we did, you know, the school was, all of a sudden they started coming. And our church went, it like doubled again in size in the first three weeks. Three weeks into being in here, we, had, we were in two services. Now, the building was half this size. Right where the corner is there, is, there was a wall. This was all back porch. Right where that corner is, that little bump out, was another wall. That was all offices where the sound booth is. And then right under that camera, we had a little stage. That's where I stood. And we had about 100 metal chairs in here. We actually moved in um, with no carpet. Uh, we flunked 12 things on our, on our final, but the county gave us a, a whole other miracle story is how the county gave us a, a temporary certificate of occupancy. And um, we had our first service in here on December the 19th, and then on Christmas Eve of, of 1999, we had our first Christmas Eve service here with about 120 people. But all of a sudden, we started growing like crazy. We added a service. People were able to serve in one and attend the other one. And we immediately started feeling the pinch of we don't have enough seats. Um, we're, we built too small, even though it was God's plan, obviously. So... So we start looking for what is a solution for our kids, and we start looking at portables. And the portable that we ended up getting was $25,000. And, um, and right around that time, the house came for sale next door, house in five acres. And people were like, wouldn't that be a great children's building? But we didn't have any money. Remember, we had $40 for the land fund. When we moved into this building, we took $7,000, and we put it in an emergency fund. That was two payments. Our, our rent was 500 Our building payment was 3500 That's seven times as much. Um, two payments, and we said, all right, the first time we have to take one, we didn't know if we could make a $3,500 payment. First time we have to take one of those, half of it for a payment, Jerry's going to go back to work full time and his carpet and floor covering business, and we'll use his salary to make the payment. This was the, this was the safety boat plan. We always have a backup plan here. And... Um, we never touched one of those. We had $7,000 in the emergency fund. We never, ever touched one of those. In fact, there's over $100,000 in that emergency fund now. Um, we, don't, we don't ever like to dip in unless it's a real emergency. And we start praying about the property next door. Now, I told you we've been through experiencing God the year before. So I told people, don't pray. How? How, how can we do that? Because there's no way to do it. It's going to have to be a miracle. Just pray, God, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to try to make an offer? And during the, during the time that we were paying, praying, Valentine's Day till about the end of March, um, four subdivisions were announced. Astor Farms, 
retreat at Wakaiva, Woodsong, and Oregon Trace. All four of those subdivisions were announced during that time. Over a thousand homes being built within a mile of our church. We had an anniversary banquet that uh, this was March, end of March, Palm Sunday of, 2000, of the year 2000. There were 80 people in this room. I was standing right over there, like I said, on where the stage is. And, and I went around the room and I said to the 80 people, we had like Boston Market or something for a banquet. We're celebrating our anniversary. And um, what is God saying to you? And people, went, people stood up and said, I believe that God's telling us, telling me we should move ahead and try to purchase the land next, next door, make an offer. Um, I believe that God, you know, this subdivision, this subdivision, this, it was like a lot of people stood up and said that. And I said, I've never done this before, and I've never done it since, but I, for some reason I said, if you feel like God's leading us to move forward on that, stand up. And 76 of the 80 people stood up. A couple in back that I'd never seen before didn't, and two ladies up front, Virginia and Peggy. And um, I said to them, I said to Virginia and Peggy, I said, are you guys feeling like God is leading us not to? No, Pastor, we, we haven't heard God either way. And if everybody feels like we should step out of faith, we're, we're all in. I said to the couple in the back, I don't know why I would do this, but I did this. I'd never seen them before because they weren't supposed to be at the banquet. In fact, they were visitors that, that very day. The first Sunday was that, and they heard banquet, so they just showed up. And I'm like, uh, so you people who are never supposed to be here anyway, what do you think? And uh, Well, we haven't been praying about it, he said, but he said this. He said, I can tell you this. Um, we come from a church out in Texas, big mega church, and here's what, here's what happened to them. They had 120 acres. And a commercial outfit came in and said, we'll, take, if we'll offer you enough money for these 20 acres that are on this major interstate and this major highway. If you'll give us the 20-acre frontage, we'll give you enough money to build your whole megachurch building. And that's what they did. So he said, so if you feel like God is telling you to step out of faith, we encourage you to do it. And we decided unanimously we would make an offer on the property next door. So I sent over a pastor friend of mine who's a realtor, and he got it on an assignable contract for 30000 less than what they were asking. They did not want to sell to the church. They were like, even though they were Christians, they were like, we're not selling to the church. We're never selling to the church. They, they didn't like being next to a church. Um, but we got it for 195 and it was on an assignable contract. We were supposed to close in six weeks, and then five weeks and after that, around the first week of May, this couple that was at this at the banquet, they invite Nancy and I over for dinner. We go ahead to dinner. We eat out on their lanai. I'm carrying my plates in after, after dinner. They started with, hey, so sorry that we were at the banquet. We didn't know that we were supposed to be at the banquet. Weren't supposed to be at the banquet. I said, no problem. Glad you're here. They've become friends by then and have been attending every week. <clears throat> and they had pecan pie right on the, uh, right on the counter. I'm like, hmm, that looks really good. He said, yeah, I made it myself. And um, my mind was on the pie. He says, hey. I need to tell you something. When we left the banquet and we got to the stop sign, I leaned over to my wife and I said, now I know where I need to give the tithe of, that stock, of the stock options that we've been praying about where to give. And I'm like, well, thank you so much. When are we having pie? <laughs> and I didn't get it. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. He could tell I didn't get it. I think it'll take care of the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I have no idea what he's talking about. And he says, Jerry, the stock that we're going to donate to the church next week right now is worth $220,000. I got that. And I about passed out. I mean, 
I'd never seen God do a miracle like that. But you think, you think our faith soared when they threw that thing through and God gave us $2,400 to replace the sound system? Now, I couldn't wait till tomorrow to tell the church. I stood right over there that Sunday and I shared a synopsis. They said, it's got to be anonymous. We don't want anybody to know. They gave it through a foundation so that even the elders couldn't even know who it was. And, and I stood right there and I told the whole church. And when I said, and the stock they're going to give, I didn't say stock, the gift that they're going to give is over $220,000. Pin drop silent the whole church. People were shocked. And I thought it was like weird. Well, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, you know. And God's my witness. We had a guy, one of our trustees, a guy named Jim Trail, stood up in the back. He said, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. And Jim wasn't like a very loud guy ever. He says, I need you to say that again. I said, what do you mean? He said, I need to shout. And I said, what do you mean? He says, announce it again because I want to shout. And I did a quick synopsis. We had dinner. Someone's given us $220,000. And he's like, hey, Jesus. And the whole place went crazy, like Pentecostal crazy. Like all of a sudden, charismatic, everybody's charismatic jumping over a chair. Crazy. And it was like God before our very eyes. Now, I exaggerate just a little bit, just the nostrils. That's the only exaggeration. At the end of that service, the four ladies, oh, I forgot to tell you, four ladies came up to me at the banquet. My wife was one of them and said, we're going to, is it okay if we pray that God gives us that free and clear? And I said, knock yourself out. I never prayed for the children's children free and clear. I'm embarrassed to say. But my wife and three other women, your mom, prayed that God would give it to us free and clear. And he did. So they show up after the end of the service with like eight more friends. And they're like, what else can we pray for? And as God is my witness, this is what I said. I said, that house over there, we need an office. And they left there going, we're going to pray God gives us a house. And, and I pull up 24 hours later. I pull up, and what is over in front of that house? A U-Haul trailer, y'all. They had just been praying for 24 hours. I go over, and Rick, we called him Rick the Pagan. He wasn't a believer, and he didn't mind us calling him that. He loved that name. Um, I said, Rick. Are you selling your house? He's like, I rent, dude. He says, I'm moving to Michigan. I got a job with my brother. He says, by the way, here's a shovel. We got great. We got along great with Rick the the pagan. Didn't get along very good with Mr. Whatever Christian over here, Gracia Christian. I said, is there any way you could give us the name of your landlord? Because we would be interested in acquiring this piece of property. He said, sure. He gave me the number. I called this guy up, and he's a Stetson Law grad. He went Stetson undergrad, Stetson Law. He's in Sweetwater, and I said, I'm the pastor of this church. We would love to be able to buy that for our office. Um, is there any way you would sell it to us? He said, we would love to sell it to you because that was not used for very good, very scrupulous purposes. He said, um, I said, what do you mean? He says, well, we got that in lieu of payment. Our clients are in prison. And um, they were using the house. They had a cottage out back, and they had started their own cottage industry. I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, let me just put it this way. If you find weeds over there, they're not weeds. It's weed. Weed. They had been growing marijuana in the back and had been dealing drugs out of their house. And they all got arrested and put in prison and lost the house to the attorneys um, to pay for all of their, their debts and fines and all that stuff. So the attorney, long story short, his, his partner won't go down on the price at all. They want 80. The bank will only give us 70,000. We had a bunch of money coming, but that wasn't here yet because this is like the day, this is the day, two days after the guy tells me he's going to donate the stock. And um, 
And I, after four or five phone calls, the attorney calls me and says, listen, my, term, my, my stick in the mud, he said that way, my stick in the mud partner won't budge on the price, so my wife and I would like to make a donation to your church. How do you spell the name? For $10,000. And an attorney who's never been here, ever, and his wife, don't even know if they're Christians, gave us $10,000 to buy the pot house <laughs> for the church office. And I'm so sorry I don't have enough time to tell you about the but God did that. I don't have time to tell you about the 35-acre million-dollar miracle. I will start next week with that. We've gone 15 minutes over. Let me close in prayer, and I'll tell you about the biggest miracle ever next week. Heavenly Father, we love you. We go on and on and on, obviously. We thank you for everything that you've done, not only in our church's life, but in the individual lives of all the lives that you've changed. Thank you so, so much. We give you all the honor and the glory. We, we are reminded every year we didn't do any of this. You did it all. God did that. God, we thank you. We pray that this will grow our faith in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi there. I just love hearing these stories and remembering all that God has done for us. It strengthens my faith and makes me excited to hear what he will do in the coming year. Make sure you're here next week for our final Stones of Remembrance service. There's no better way to prepare yourself for a meaningful Thanksgiving. See ya. Have a great day.